Welcome to the Forager Podcast, where I talk with cottage food entrepreneurs about their strategies for running a food business from home. I'm David Crable, and today I'm talking with Shupan Abraham. But real quick, I wanted to check, have you created a website for your business yet? And if you have, do you pay for it? A lot of entrepreneurs still think they need to spend money to get a good website, and that is simply not true anymore. I am a really big fan of Square Online. That's what I use for my Fudge Business website, and I created a free tutorial that will walk you through how to set up a totally free website in less than one hour. In case you think free also means cheap, it's actually quite the opposite. I think Square Online is hands down the very best website tool for most cottage food businesses. So if you want to learn more, you can watch my free tutorial by going to forager.com slash website. All right, so I have Shupan on the show today. She lives in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and sells custom cakes, cupcakes, and other treats with her cottage food business, Cakes by Shupan. Shupan has been selling her cakes since 2006, but her business didn't truly take off until a decade later when she finally invested in a coach, which changed everything. Now her business is thriving, and in this episode, she shares what she's learned about putting herself out there and marketing her business effectively. And with that, let's jump right into this episode. Welcome to the show, Shupan. Nice to have you here. Thank you so much, David. I am super excited. Well, Shupan, can you take me back? I think you've been doing this for quite a while. How did this all get started? Oh, wow. So this was many years ago when I saw this cake. It was a really cute clown cake in, a, in this magazine that I had, and I really wanted it for my son's first birthday. However, I knew nothing about cake decorating. Um, baking has always come easy to me since I was a little girl. Just always be able to read a recipe, follow it, and just make anything. So when I saw this cake, I knew the baking part would be easy for me, but the cake decorating part of it, I had no idea. But when I read the instructions in the magazine, in my mind, I thought I could make that cake. So with my best foot forward, decided to go to the grocery store, got everything that I needed. And to my surprise and amazement, I made the cake. And it was like... <laughs> The best thing that happened to me, I was so happy. I was very satisfied with my work that my son had the birthday cake that I wanted, this cute clown cake. And then after the celebration, it was just like a light bulb went up one day, like, hmm, why don't you do some cake decorating classes? But then again, I knew nothing about cake decorating. I didn't know anybody who was into cake decorating. I didn't know where I would take a cake decorating class or anything. So again, I did some research and found a store that provided cake decorating classes and started doing this. So everything that I did from that point forward was just fun. And anybody who was having an event, I was volunteering my services to do the cake for free because I wanted to practice all the things that I learned. And so I've done my share, David, of free cakes, like a lot. Because everything that I learned, I wanted to put into practice. So I was always making something and just donating it or providing desserts for people's events. And then it was all just a fun thing for me, just a hobby type thing. Until one day, my husband said, hmm, don't you think you want to make this more serious? 
I had no idea that I wanted to be doing this as a business. I was just happy where I was. And then I decided to take the next step. Fast forward to today. Here I am. So you started with your son's cake and that was what year? My son is 28 years old. So this was 1996. Wow. So quite a while ago. And and you were making a lot of cakes for free. And then when was it that you decided to start selling them? Probably just 2006. Okay. So you, you did a lot of cakes for about a decade. <laughs> yes, because I was in my happy place. I was just playing and having fun with it. And I was happy where I was. And what were you doing up to this point? Did you have a job? Were you at home with your children? I was a stay-at-home mom. We have two children. My daughter was first and then my son. So was that part of it too? Was it you just wanted to stay at home with them when they were younger? Or was it just that you didn't have any ambition to start selling your cakes? I just never thought about it. I just knew that I liked the kitchen since I was little. The kitchen has just always been my favorite place to be. So I would just always make something, cook something, and just just enjoy it. But never did I ever think about it, doing it as a business, until my husband brought that to my attention. All right. So you obviously already had quite a bit of skills in 2006 by the time you decided to start selling. So What was it like when you actually decided to start charging for your cakes? I had no idea what I was doing. Of course, I undercharged. Well, looking back now, I know that I undercharged for everything, I should say. And I had no guardian, so I was just winging it. But at the same time, I was taking all of these advanced classes paying plenty of money for these cake decorating classes because I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to improve. I wanted to learn the new trends that were going on at the time, learn how to use new techniques and equipments and instruments. But those things correlating with charging for my experience, like I said, I was just all over the place. I didn't have any guidance. So I was just winging it as I went along. So when you say you undercharged, can you give me an idea of like how much you were charging for cakes way back then? Maybe if I did a dozen cupcakes for somebody, I I might charge maybe $15, which is like nothing compared to now. If I did like a character cake for somebody, it was easily under $100, easy. But then again, I didn't know. So can you contrast that to what you charge today? So today, a dozen cupcakes is $48. And if you want like a picture on it or maybe a particular theme on it, that would be $60. A character cake now, depending on the number of servings, because we'll go by number of servings and design, because the number of servings would tell me the size of the cake. So say like our eight-inch cake would serve 20 people. And this is like our Pokemon theme. I'll charge $225 for that. So $4 for a cupcake. Are these just regular cupcakes? Are they like large jumbo cupcakes? They're standard size cupcakes. That actually is a, a pretty high price. People buy it. 
is that pretty comparable to what other bakers in your area are charging? Yes, I guess. Well, my thought is our customers know that everything we do are made to order. So it's not like we have our cupcakes or our products sitting down for days and weeks in the freezer. And then when you want it, we'll take it out and just give it to you. So they know that we use quality ingredients. They know that it's freshly made for them compared to the grocery store where you don't, I mean, you don't know how long it's been there for. I'm not saying that it's not good. Of course, people buy it because they like it. But when you want something custom made, then you get a price for it. Well, you have clearly come a long way over the years and you now have I'm sure a pretty established customer base or a lot of your customers, recurring customers at this point. A lot of them are recurring. Of course, some of them are new and a lot of times get them back for their, you know, kids' birthday, yearly celebrations that they have. So if we go back to 2006 and you start charging, you were underpricing yourself, but you're still, you know, getting yourself off the ground. I mean, were you selling a lot of cakes because you're underpricing yourself? Was it a pretty slow growth process for you in the beginning? It was slow because I think it's because I wasn't doing any marketing. I wasn't looking for customers. It's like if you found me, you found me. And if you didn't, you didn't. And I'm just comparing that to up to now. I didn't put the effort that I do that I put into my business now. Again, I just attribute all of that to the lack of guidance. I was just doing this business on my own. It was hard, I guess, hard for people to find me when I didn't I didn't have a website. I didn't have the Google My Business. I didn't help people or engage people to get them to know about my business and what I was doing. I didn't put forth the effort that I'm doing now, even though I did it slowly or hardly. So... Thinking back, what was something that you did do to market yourself that worked in the earlier days? I joined the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce. That's when I started to get some exposure. I got to meet a lot of other business people. And then I also was involved in some other kinds of networking. One was the North Georgia Business Connection. So I did those two on a regular basis, the Winter Chamber and the North Georgia Business Connection. So within those two groups, I mean, the chamber was, of course, like a, was on a much larger scale and they had lots of events. And then you also have opportunities where you would have the 60 seconds to stand up and introduce your business. I could even take samples to the meetings if I wanted to. So that was when I really started to get my, my name out there. So when did you feel like your business started to really take off? I would say when I met Chef Amanda Schomburg. Yeah, so Amanda Amanda was on the show, what, maybe episode 80 a little while ago. So you're her student, and when did you meet her? About seven years ago, I think. I'm not sure now, but it's been a few years since I, I, I met Chef. When she was a part of her other partnership. That's when we first met. But now I'm um, solely with Baking for Business, which is awesome. Which has been very instrumental in my growth, I must say. 
So that was seven years ago, maybe 2017, 2016 or so. And what do you remember learning from her that really moved the needle in your business? Where do I start? (laughs) It's just all of the um, marketing tips and examples that she, she shows us. Things that she does herself in her business that she has experienced and has seen results that she has passed on to me and others in the group. She's really, I would say, a marketing guru slash expert. And there are lots of tips and tricks that we learned from her or that I've learned from her that I've managed to implement in my own business that has really moved the needle tremendously. Yeah, I mean, I love Amanda and... She shared a lot of those marketing tips and tricks on her episode. I'll link to that in the show notes. But it's cool to see that, you know, it's really made a difference in your business. And just be interested and know, like, what you're doing now that maybe you weren't doing before. Like, you know, social media, were you not active on that before and are active on that now? Or, like, seeing that you're pretty active on Google, is that something that changed, you know, seven years ago or so? Yes. So Chef Amanda, we have a portal that we can go into and take different master classes on just about anything business-wise. For an example, setting up Google My Business, which is where I typically right now get 99%, I would say, of my customers. So I have that. And then we set up accounts with Yelp. It's another thing that she advises us to do. Others will be, of course, definitely having a website, having an email list, staying in touch with your customers. And there are other marketing essentials that she's advised us to take. For an example, I might make some cupcakes, some mini cupcakes, package them really nicely, have my information on it, and just drop off at different businesses in the area and just introduce myself and leave. Another thing is to just visit different, maybe you can go to a salon or a barber shop and sell your products. Just get out there, put yourself out there. She wants us to be present, be persistent. Don't sit down and just wait for the phone to ring. There are other things that you can do that will allow you to gain business. So don't just sit and wait on a post to work. Don't just sit in front of your computer. There are other actions that you can take that will help you gain business. Even if you introduce yourself to your kid's school, you can sign up to do community classes. There's just so many things that you can do that will help you gain more business. And the the list is endless. And it just all left with me to take action and be persistent. You said 99% of your new customers come from Google? Yes, Google My Business. Are you just referring to online customers? I'd imagine that you have a number of word of mouth customers that come to you as well. Oh, definitely. But the bulk comes from Google. And then there is referrals where I'll do a cake for you. You have your event. And then somebody's like, oh, who made that cake? Oh, yes. Cakes by shoe pan years for information. Well, I always have my label on the box anyway with my QR code. So they'll scan the code and that's how they are connected to my website. And if they have an event, they can go to my website, fill out an inquiry, and then I'll get in contact with them. So there's Google, there's referrals, 
And then there's just people who might find me maybe like on like a wedding platform or they might just be talking to somebody else who, you know, like online is somebody might like, oh, I need a cake for this. Do you know anybody? And then I've seen people like cakes by Shupi and call her. So it just comes from different places. But Google is the number one place where new customers find me. So after you listed yourself on Google My Business, do you remember how long it took for you to start getting traffic and customers from Google? I don't remember, but I wouldn't say that it took a long time at all. Because after you set up Google My Business, we also have to update our photos on there. So one of the marketing activities that we are told to do by Chef Amanda is to upload pictures maybe four to five times a week on Google My Business. So I'm not saying that I always stick to that, but I am regular on Google My Business. I do see that you're also pretty active on social media, but I guess you're not getting a whole lot of orders there. I see you have over 4,000 Instagram followers. So Are you seeing any activity coming from there or what's causing you to put so much effort into social media? I have seen some effort. I am seeing some effort, but nothing compared to what comes in from Google My Business. But then again, sometimes they'll see me on on social media and then they'll contact me through Google. Because I always ask like on my order from like, how did you find us? Something like that. And most of the time it's Google My Business, but sometimes again, it will say Instagram. But I put a lot of effort in into social media because that is what's in and what's big right now. And you get a, like, a lot of exposure. Social media, I can talk to my customers directly, post pictures and videos. So Google My Business, you I'm not sure if I can do videos on there, but I know definitely to do pictures. But Instagram, for sure, is more interactive. And I keep up with that to stay relevant, to let my followers know what's going on with Kicks by Shoe Pan, all of the new things that we do, how we can, how they can serve me. And I also have my website and call to action there, where in which way they'll be able to contact me. I enjoy doing that. Now, I know you're very active on social media right now. I did see you really didn't post much before 2021. What was it that changed and caused you to start getting active in 2021? Chef, 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 chef Amanda. Yeah, but chef always encourages us to be active on our main platform of choice. And there's also lots of stuff in the portal too that shows how to show up on Instagram, how your feed should look. Because everything on your feed represents you, represents your work. So there are certain guidelines that we have to follow to make it up to par, like she said, to stop the scroll. I enjoy doing that. I mean, it's a lot of work to keep up with, but I know that it's something that I have to do and it's very important to the growth of my business. So I take the time to do that. So when you started back in 2006, I don't know for sure, but I don't think that Georgia even had a cottage food law at that point. Was that something that you looked into? No. Yeah. So you just you just started selling, which is very common. <laughs> I don't even remember when they passed their cottage food law. 
when did you really start to look into legalizing your business? I think I got the license um, 21 or 20. I don't remember now. Again, like I said, David, it was just lack of education, lack of guidance. So let's talk a little bit about what you sell. We know you sell cakes, but what is your specialty? What is your focus? So I specialize in children's cakes, even though I make other kinds of cakes, birthdays and weddings, all celebrations, cakes for all occasions. But my specialty is in designing children's cakes. I must say that's not common. Like I know a lot of cakers, they specialize in wedding cakes or adult cakes. I I actually think Amanda specializes in adult cakes, but I don't run across a lot of people who specialize in children's cakes. Why did you decide that focus? I really like the joy that it brings the children. I like the smiles that I see on their faces, the expressions. I love the pictures that the parents will send me after celebration when they're cutting the cake, when they see the cake, when everybody's around them. It just, I have some priceless photos that just makes my heart so happy and makes me want to keep on doing this. Another thing is that children's cakes are bright and they are colorful and they are playful. And I really enjoy designing it because it doesn't seem like work to me. It seems like I'm playing. I'm just speculating, but I kind of always figured that the reason why a lot of people don't focus on children's cakes is because they're not as lucrative. Like you can't charge as high of a price as you could for obviously a wedding cake or even a cake targeted towards adults or businesses. So would you say that that's true? Do you feel like you don't make quite as much money because of this specialty? Well, of course you'll make more with a wedding cake, but you do. There are some children's cakes that are very elaborate. I have this one customer who has just one daughter and every year she goes all out. When she turned one year old, I made three cakes because there were three different parties and it was more than a thousand dollars. Wow, that that really is going all out. I don't think I've ever heard anyone who does three parties for someone a children's birthday. Grandparents spend a lot of money on their grandchildren's cakes too. I must say it is it, it is lucrative. Not as much as a wedding cake all the time but you can really make some good money with children's cakes. Well, and you, you shared your current pricing a little earlier, and I can tell you you have definitely pretty high pricing. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like you found a niche that's really working for you. And I see that you call yourself not just a cake artist, but a celebration artist. Yes, because we are crafting something for your celebration. Yes, we make the cake and people just see that cake but we are celebrating the occasion. Just like how you have your balloon artist, you have your decorators in the sense of things, we craft the cake. So we produce this artistic edible piece that is like the center of the the celebration, the center of the occasion. That I don't know if you heard this, but when you have a celebration, everybody's like, oh, where's the cake? Where's the cake? 
So the cake is like a, it's the main event of the entire celebration. So when you do a particular design, you want it to stand out and you want your guests to ooh and I over it and be awe of it. And that makes the whole celebration. The cake is the centerpiece. Do you feel like that's something that you learned, like realizing that you're not just selling cakes, that you're selling this feeling or the celebration? Like, did your marketing angle change over time? Yes, yes. So we're in the happy, feel-good business. You're actually selling that. You're selling the memories. You're selling the experience. And the cake just comes after. You're selling that feeling, the happiness, the joy that it brings that person. And it's just all represented by that cake. So definitely. Do you feel like changing your mindset about that is what allowed you or made you comfortable to charge what you're worth? Yes. And also my experience and education all plays into what I charge. Your time, your worth, your experience, your education, your ingredients all put together. So you do cakes you do cupcakes. What else do you sell? Custom cakes, cupcakes, of course, different tiers of cupcakes, mini desserts I like to do. When you're having like a bridal shower or baby shower, cute little mini desserts like shooters, mini brownies, cake pops, those cute little things I like. I also enjoy doing, but the bulk of it is custom cakes. And what flavors do you offer for your cakes? My main flavor is my vanilla cream cheesecake, which I have to sometimes explain to people that is not a cheesecake, but cream cheese is incorporated in the batter. It's a very light cake. Nine times out of 10, when I do weddings, that's the flavor people pick, the vanilla cream cheesecake. So that's also an almond cream cheesecake which is the same as the vanilla cream cheesecake, except that we switch out the flavors to almond instead of the vanilla. I have my deluxe strawberry, which is a very good cake also. And then there is the buttermilk chocolate, which is very, very, very moist. There's also red velvet, which is a super moist cake too. Those are all really, really good recipes. And those are the popular ones that I do like almost all the time. But nine times out of 10, vanilla cream cheese it is. That's what the number one cake that people usually request for celebrations. And I see on your website, you have simple flavors and then you have premium flavors that you charge more for. How often do people choose the premium flavors? Not often. Not that often. Because most times when people having celebrations, you want to keep it simple Something like vanilla is a safe flavor because everybody likes vanilla. And even if they want to do chocolate, I'm like, you know your guest. So you know what they like and what they won't like. If it's a tear cake, of course, they have to find the same. But I always suggest that if it's a tear cake, maybe do the largest tier of vanilla cake because that's the cake you're sure that everybody will like. If the guest of honor likes chocolate, then yes, you can do maybe like one of the smaller tiers chocolate. Vanilla is always the number one. Now, I see that you are this year starting to offer single slices of cake. Yes, I'm starting to do it. I started doing it. Yes. 
what pushed you to start to sell individual slices? It's just another marketing thing that we learned. Like instead of letting the business come to you, you may go out and look for the business. And sometimes everybody doesn't want a whole cake, but they just want like a slice of something. And so that prompted me to start doing slices. So you can just get, you just want something like a little dessert, but you don't actually need a whole cake. We can just get a slice of cake and be satisfied. So I also wanted to ask you about the pandemic. It sounds like you started to move forward with your business a lot more, you know, before the pandemic. And then obviously you're, you're in the celebration business. So um, a lot of gatherings didn't happen during the pandemic. How did that affect you? I guess like it did everybody else, everything was kind of shut down and slow and just didn't do anything. So you didn't find that you sold, you know, like still sold celebration cakes, but just for drive-by parties or stuff like that? A few here and there, but not anything substantial at all. So, well, where do you sell your cakes? Are you selling them just from home and delivering? Have you sold at markets? I sell them at home. My customers will place an order online. And when I fulfill the order, then they set up a waiting time for them to pick it up. And I see that you do sell certain items on your website, just a few. Is that something that people buy from or what, what is the purpose of having just a few of your items on your site for sale? That was actually just like a test to see what was going to happen. But I haven't found that people order the few items that I have on the website. They would just normally, even if they see it, they would just or fill out the inquiry and then I'll get it and fulfill it. But they've never ordered like through the shop page on the website. They might request the same thing, but the order doesn't come through that page. I saw a post of yours that you said you've reinvested your profits into just educating yourself, attending conferences, doing shows. What are some of the the things you've attended? Or I didn't know if that included trade shows, for instance. Um, Brighter shows. And then the classes, I used to do a lot of classes with the late chef Nicholas Lodge. He had a school and he, he would bring people from all over the country, sometimes out of the country, that have expertise in certain elements of the cake decorating industry. And they'll come and do a class. And I used to take a lot of those classes to learn from them. So this way you have all the like different classes and demonstrations. And then Pastry Life also used to come to Atlanta and they still stopped that too. Again, different classes, different vendors, different demonstrations. Those are the type of things that I reinvested my income into just to learn and improve and keep in the know of everything in the kit industry, the new trends, new techniques, new equipments, new mixers, everything. I see that you now sell a class on your site. Have you done a lot of in-person classes? Have you mostly focused on selling online classes? Well, the in-person classes I've done were mainly been during the holidays. 
So right now I'm in a process of looking for some space that I'll be able to use on an as needed basis so that I can host these in-person classes to do more of them. Yeah, I saw you, you've done a lot of like sip and decorate classes. So was that at a venue? Was that at your house? This sip and decorate was actually at a salon. My hairstylist, as a matter of fact, (laughs) I was getting my hair done one day and I was telling her about all these things that I was planning on doing. And she was like, hmm, why don't you have it here? I was like, here? She was like, yes, we can move this and move that. She she has a beautiful salon and she's the only person in her space and it's very large. And so we're able to post these set and decorate there. And it was really, really a really fun event. The other sip and decorate I did was with a gingerbread house. And this was at a wine store here. And so this is where I'll bring the gingerbread houses. Everything's put together. And when the customers come, they'll just sit, decorate their houses. I have all the candy and icing, everything you need to make your house look pretty. So they just purchased their wine from the wine store and decorate the houses. And it was a very fun event. Best of all, you get to take your cake home, you get to take your gingerbread house home. But then again, you know, you made new friends, you will have great conversations and we laughed and had a great time. So how much do you typically charge for your classes? Those were 65 each, 65 per person. I do see that you've done a lot of lives on your Instagram feed and teaching people. You know, when did you start that? Is that something that you've been doing a lot more of more recently? I am trying. Chef always tells us to show our face. (laughs) Show your face, show your face. And I guess it's like anything, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with it. But it's uh, it, it doesn't come easy to me or for me. But I know that it's something, again, that I have to do for the growth of the business. And so, like you say, oh, you always have to just put yourself out there. And that's what I'm trying to do. Well, that's fascinating to me because I would have never guessed that that was hard for you to do. Because when I look at your social feeds... Your face is all over them, you know, like you're very good about putting yourself out there. And I guess it's because of of what Amanda's guiding you to do. But so, yeah, you're just an introvert. And I guess this has not been the easiest thing to do. No, not the easiest thing to do. Well, have you noticed a difference like when you did start to put yourself out there and, and show people more about yourself? Oh, yeah. People love it. It's just taking a step to do it. Just taking the step to do it, just being, like you said, be consistent. So how long have you done the Instagram lives? Because I know showing up on lives is like, it's definitely something that a lot of entrepreneurs are pretty nervous about. Probably in the last few years. It's nothing that I've done like 10 years or more. It's just, just in the last few years. Do you feel comfortable with it now? It's getting more and more comfortable. This work in progress forever. Now, are these for customers or is it more because you're just trying to build up your own brand and, and sell classes and teach to other entrepreneurs? Both, because there are also people who are also just starting off in the industry. And if they can learn something, then I'm cool with it. 
So how do your lives generate sales if they're for customers? Well, if I do a live making something in particular, then maybe somebody might want that and order it. Or my customers can at least have a little peek as to what goes on behind the scenes. See how I work, what I do. You can never tell what will resonate with somebody. And going back to Google, I saw that you have well over 100 five-star reviews on Google. How do you get people to actually leave a review? So after I make your cake and you pick it, when you pick it up, I always said that I'll be in touch within a few days. Is it okay? And they'll say yes, because I always want to know what the feedback is, good or bad. The bad, I'll work on with the person to fix and improve myself. And of course, even if it's good, I want to know what about it was good. So after that conversation, my next thing is, do you mind writing me a Google review? This is how new customers like yourself find me. And of course, they're like, sure. But then it's not always as easy as them just going ahead and writing that review. So after a week, if there's nothing, and I'll go back and I'm like, hey, David, this is just a friendly reminder for you to please write me that Google review that you promised. I will greatly appreciate it. And most times they do. Do you ever incentivize people with a future discount code or something? No, I have not done that for a review. Sometimes it's not like just one message. They'll say, hey, this is just a fun reminder. Sometimes it's two, three messages before I'll get that review. And sometimes I never, even though they promise. Another thing that you have to convince people to do is join your email list. I know you, you have a newsletter, have an email list. So how have you gotten people to join that? I'll ask them to, when I do orders for, for my customers, I always ask them if they would like to join my email list, because this is how you know what's going on with Kicks by Shooting and when you'll be the first to know when we'll have sales or events. And nine times out of 10, they'll say yeah. Or they can just sign up from the website to be on the email list. I've had people do that too. How often do you send emails to your list? Woo! That's the part I'm bad about, David. I would like to do it once a month. Sometimes I don't do it. That's one thing that I need to get better at, sending out monthly emails. The thing about it is in my head, I'm like, if I do once a month, it's only 12 for the year except during maybe holidays or something special going on that I might send, I'll need to send maybe two more, but typically 12 a year. And it sounds so easy, but I just fall off the bandwagon every time I try. But it's something that I have to get better at. Well, I'm sure anyone that's done email marketing can relate to that. <laughs> it's just It is hard to be consistent. Do you find that when you send an email to your list that it generates sales? I haven't found that yet. Maybe I need to be more consistent and watch that. Maybe because of the inconsistency. I'm not sure, but I need to get better at that. Well, I wonder if it's because you sell celebration cakes, right? So if you send an email, it might not be when somebody happens to be celebrating. 
And if you sent, you know, them throughout the year and kept on people's mind, then whenever their celebration came along, then it would be the time for them to buy. But yeah, I could see maybe how consistency would help in that case, just because you're not selling impulse buy products. Right. You got a point there. So as you think back on your business, are there any stories that stick out to you? Good stories or bad stories? Oh, both. I can't even think of a bad story, but I'm sure there is. Good story. So every year I make kicks for this family. And then this one year, I told the mom, Heather, that I was going to be delivering the cake that evening because something was going on. But when I took the cake, it was maybe like 7, 7.30 in the evening, 8 o'clock. And when she opened the door, you know, I had just parked my car and I like text and say, Heather, I'm here. And she opened the door and Chloe, her daughter, she's just jumping and she's jumping and she's jumping. And she was so, she was so happy. And her mom like, Chloe will not sit still. She cannot wait for you to come. She couldn't wait to see the cake. She is just so excited. And when I finally walk up from the car, that little girl, like right now, I can still see the smile on her face and see the expression. And like I said, this is what keeps me going. She was so happy. So, so, so happy. She made me feel so good. And she was just ooing and eyeing and everything about that cake. So it's stories like that that makes me feel so, 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 so good and keeps me going. Another mom, I did a cake for her son was turning one year old and it was like a baseball thing. So we did a baseball just for him. And then we did a two-tier baseball thing just for, I guess, everybody else. So the smash cake, which was the baseball cake for the little boy, the picture that she sent, it is like a, thousand, a million bucks, the smile on his face. It was, she was like, when she called me, she was like, he stole the show. The cake is like everywhere on his face, everywhere around his mouth and his hands. It's just, it, it was priceless to say. Cute stories that I have in mind that just want me to stay in this business and continue to do children's kicks because it's just, it warms my heart to see the joy that I bring them when they have their kicks. Um, bad story, which is never good, but you learn from your mistakes. And <laughs> I made, and I quite frankly, I cannot even tell you what happened because I played this in my mind over and over and over and again and I don't know what she did but so I did this cake for this girl it was her daughter's birthday she picked up the cake and the cake was fine the next day when she sent me a picture of I guess when they got to their facility where they were having the party we had drip on the cake but everything had just was was in ruin it just came down. So I don't know if it was the heat from the car or heat in the... I cannot tell you what happened. But they called and I was like, I didn't know what I could do at that point. I didn't feel like it was my fault. But I just offered to do them another kick at another time. Because when she picked up the kick for me, it was fine. I had it here. I had finished it the night before. It was in the refrigerator. She picked it up, everything fine, boxed it, and she drove home fine. 
get to the event and all this disaster happened somewhere along the way. I don't know. So even though, like I said, I don't feel like technically it was my fault, but I felt bad because it was their celebration and now there was no cake. So I just promised them that I would make them something else. And then I did when I said, whenever you have an event or whenever you know, you're having people over at your house, just let me know and then I'll make you something else. And I did that for her. But it was it was not a good feeling at all. It was not a good feeling. Have you ever had to deal with unhappy customers? Yes. But whenever that happens, I just ask them, you know, what is it that I can do that will satisfy you? Because making excuses is never going to solve the problem because that's not what your customer wants to hear. They want to know how can you make this right. If you want a refund, I'll give you a refund. If you want me to make you another cake or another event, I'll do that for you. Just let me know. And even when they tell me, I'll let you know when I'm having an event. When that event comes, say if the cake is for if it's a 10-inch cake, 100% of the time, I'll do maybe like a 12-inch cake. Whatever they tell me, I make it bigger and better. Just so they are genuinely satisfied. And I'll ask them too, you know, is this, would this, would this work for you? You know, were you happy with the redo? And so far, it's worked. Well, I saw last year you took a trip to Africa. I thought that was a pretty cool story. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. So originally, I am from Liberia. My husband and I decided to take a trip back home for Christmas. This was last Christmas. So it had been 32 years for me and 40 for him. So quite a long time. But we didn't know what to expect or anything. But when we got there, of course, everything was different. But it was a really good time, you know, catching up with old friends and relatives. But I was fortunate to see and get together with one of my classmates from high school who has a kick school. So when I got in touch with her, I was like, look, I'm here for X number of days. You have one day with me because it was just not enough time. You know, I wanted to go everywhere and see everything. I was like, you have one day, pick me up, tell me what you want to learn, and then we will just spend a day doing this. And she was very appreciative. She picked me up. She always wanted to learn how to work with fondant. Now, living here in America, we have everything at our disposal. I can always get on my phone, order from Amazon, and it's here the next day or two. Or I can just go to any particular website and order whatever, and I'll get it. Back in Liberia, that is not the case. There's such difficulty in getting things readily. They always have to order it from out of the country, from another, whether maybe it's China or wherever. So when I got there, she had already made a fondant. I was like, you made this? <laughs> because I've never made fondant before. I just know that I can just get on my phone or just take a drive to the kickstore and order and, and get a bucket of fondant. But she actually made it because there's no way there for to buy it. Well, she had the fondant. I played with it and it was very, it was very good. She did a great job. I don't know how she made it, but it was, it was very, very pliable. And then she had her kicks. The kicks were already baked. So we didn't do any of the baking part. 
the buttercream icing was another shock to me because it didn't look anything like the buttercream icing that I use here every day. It was kind of pasty. And I was like, did you make this? And she said, yeah. I was like, okay. So why isn't it? Why can't I just stir it with my spatula and like smear it onto the cake? Well, she said that because of the humidity over there, the buttercream that we would normally use wouldn't work there because it's so hot. Because Liberia is a tropical country. And so there is a lot of heat and the icing wouldn't stand the heat. So whatever way that they made it is what they normally use. So instead of using your spatula like I would to apply the buttercream icing to the cake, they use their fingers and paste the their version of the buttercream icing all over the cake before we could cover it with the fondant. So she had a few of her students there. Technically, school had closed because it was it was in December. So that was like what we call summertime. It was their like vacation time since there was no school, but she was able to have a few students come in that day. So we pasted the buttercream onto the cake and I showed them how to work with the fondant, how to knead it real good to make it pliable, how to roll it out. I showed them how you measure to know if the size of the fondant that you've rolled out will cover this particular cake. How do you know that it's enough? how to cover the cake, how to cut it out and make it smooth. And it was such a really good time. And it was it was rewarding. It was inspiring. I wish I was there for a longer time to do more with them because I see the need, but it's not as easy to help in that way if I'm not there physically. So they do what they can with what they have. And it makes some really nice cakes. You know, they're very beautiful to look at. But it's just that I just, it could be a much simpler or easier way to do it if they had all the tools and equipment and ingredients that I have access to over here. So my goal is to help them get some of the tools that they need to make the work a little bit easier. Even their baking pans, when she showed me the pans that she used to bake her cakes in, I was like, where did you buy this? And she's like, no, we didn't buy it. We made, we had it made. They have to pay somebody to make it. I'm like, okay, so what did he use to make this? How did you get it around? Because like the pans here, it's all in one. And what I mean is that if you look at theirs, there's a round and then there's a bottom that is attached to the side of the paint. I'm like, so how did he make it? And he's like, we take, just like you have aluminum, they have zinc, and he cuts it to the size that we need and just cut around. If you want an eight-inch paint, he'll, he'll cut an eight-inch round from zinc and then for the bottom. And then cut out the sides. And I don't know how they attach the sides to the bottom, but that's what they use. So I really would like to help her in that way. Just give her some items that will help her help the business run better. Even though they're used to what they're doing. And I guess it's not a struggle for them because that's how they've been doing it. But I feel like with some new items, you know, equipments and tools, she'll see the difference and make it better for her students. But it was very rewarding.
very, very, very rewarding. I really wish I was there for a longer time to help. Well, it definitely seems like your love for children really drives you in this business. As you look forward into the future, what are your plans? Where do you plan to take the business? I would like to do more in-person classes, community classes. Like I said before, I am looking for a space that I can use on an as-needed basis to host these classes. I would like to do more of those as we have so much fun during the holidays. And I'm also looking into signing up to be a vendor with DoorDash. That's my new adventure for 2024. Is the DoorDash, do you think just you're going to get less into custom orders and try to focus more on just delivering basic cakes to people? No, 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 no. No, I'm going to do, I'm going to still do the custom cakes. When I say DoorDash as a vendor, this is where I'll provide whether it's cupcakes or slices. And then people order off the app and the Dash will come and pick it up and deliver to them. So it just seems like you're you're focusing a lot on sort of these everyday sales, right? And instead of necessarily big orders. Well, big orders, I'm still I'm still focusing on that. But that one, I just have to continue the marketing for that and I still do get those. But I think that the everyday sales is just another is there's another income avenue because like I said, you may not want a whole cake every time. Sometimes you just want a slice of something. So this is where this the DoDash comes in. If you have work and you, you order your lunch and you want dessert, you can get a slice of cake. You're not going to get a whole cake full of dessert or lunch when you're at work. Or when you're at home, it's in the evening and you're having dinner and you want something sweet. You may not necessarily want a whole cake. You just want a slice of something. You can get it. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So do you eventually want to move into a storefront or into a commercial kitchen at some point? Right here, right now, no. I'm happy where I am. I like the flexibility of being at home. I can work on my own schedule. I can say I'm closed when I want to be closed. I can be open when I want to be open. And I can just work at my own pace, set my schedule, set my goals and work at it. A commercial space is a whole new ballgame. I don't see that in my future. So what drives you to want to make it bigger or, or do more? I think it's just another way to grow the business. I really enjoy what I do, and I'm just finding more avenues that I can do it and at the same time get some income with that. So you've obviously been running your business for a very long time. As you think about all that you've learned, what is some advice that you would give to someone who's just starting out? Well, I would tell that person to be open-minded. They need to be coachable. Ask questions from people who are in the industry, who do have experience, who've been there and done that, and take advice. Listen to what they're saying because it could help you with a lot of headache. When I first started, I didn't have anybody to ask questions to. I didn't know anything. I was just all over the place. But if you have the opportunity to find somebody, maybe like a business coach, 
of course, do your due diligence by asking questions, interviewing this business coach. Make sure you guys, make sure your coach is preferably in the same business as that you would like to get into. And make sure you guys are compatible. Ask questions and take advice. Another thing is you have to be confident in what you want to do. Lastly, you are going to make mistakes, but don't let that deter you from the big picture. Always learn from your mistakes. Use your mistakes as a learning tool because we all will make mistakes. Even if you don't feel like you are, you will make mistakes, but mistakes can be good because it will help you in the future to do better and to help you grow your business. Well, Shupan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Now, if someone would like to learn more about you, where can they find you or how can they reach out? I am on Instagram at kicks underscore by underscore Shupan. My Facebook is the same kicks by Shupan and my website is kicks by Shupan.net. Google is just, it's just kicks by Shupan also. Perfect. Well, I will put links to all those in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us today. Thank you so much, David. It's my pleasure. That wraps up another episode of the Forger podcast. For more information about this episode, go to forger.com slash podcast slash 109. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a quick moment right now and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't have to be a long review, but it's truly the best way to support this show and help others like you find this podcast. And finally, if you're thinking about selling your own homemade food, check out my free mini course where I walk you through the steps you need to take to get a cottage food business off the ground. To get the course, go to cottagefoodcourse.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.